0: And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Uh, Here, hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. And I'm your host, Fred. We'll leave we a lot to pack into the show today, but I've got to start off with a plea for money. This week is what WMPG affectionately calls Begathon, the semi annual pledge drive where we reach out to listeners for cold, hard cash. Uh, You're truly getting out of most of the Pledge Appeals by listening to this as a podcast, but if you enjoy Radio Drama Revival, and want to make sure it keeps coming to you every week. A small donation to the station would go a long ways. I'll let you know you support this stuff. Uh, You can pledge via PayPal on the station's website, www.wmpg.org, or you can call 207-874-3000. As most places do, you also have all kinds of cool swag, including t-shirts, bumper stickers, uh, hats, the tote bags, all that cool stuff, um, as well as your support for Radio Drummer Revival. And please make sure to mention that you're also trying to support the show. Now, with that said, let's get right into the story. Today, we're going to hear uh, the Ogle Award-winning tale of a world that's just not quite right. Uh, produced as a part of the Willamette Radio Workshop's Writers on the Air workshop, it's called Through the Turnstiles. And I'll leave the description at that. Uh, stay tuned after the story to hear from Sam Maori, the magnificent voice you're about to hear, and the producer driving force behind Willamette Radio Workshop. Enjoy.
1: The Willamette Radio Workshop presents Through the Turnstiles by Carol Dane, a project from the Writers on the Air Workshop, directed by Cynthia J. McGeehan and designed by Mark Rose supported in part by the regional arts and culture council
2: excuse me yes do you mind? What? May I oh, sit um, down? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, would you mind hmm? moving your briefcase? There's no room oh, on, on sure. the bench.
1: Uh, sure, there you go. Thank you.
2: Wow. They've really let this place go.
1: Hmm.
2: Budget cuts, huh? (laughs) That was some media shower. I saw that. That was something, wasn't it? Yes. How about those Yankees?
1: Hmm?
2: The Yankees?
1: Ah, you're a Yankees fan. You like the Yankees.
2: Sure. So what do you think?
1: Of the Yankees?
2: You think they'll go all the way this year?
1: Under the circumstances, probably not. No.
2: Oh, right. Yankees fan?
1: No. No, um, uh, not really. Ah,
2: What did she say?
1: Yeah, I have no idea. Huh.
2: They really have let this place go. Huh? Hmm. I don't like you. Is that wrong? Well, I mean, I I tried to like you. I really did. Well,
1: that was very good of you. Do I know you? I've never laid eyes on you before in my life.
2: I'm sorry. For what? I know it's not the done thing.
1: Oh, I think it's done. I think it's done all the time.
2: Because I don't. What? Like you. I mean it. I, I hate your guts. No, no.
1: No, I I get it. You
2: don't mind? I'll let you in on a little secret. What's that? I don't like you either. <laughs> I thought it was just me.
1: <laughs> Not to worry. What is it? What is what?
2: That you don't like about me. Come on, you must have some idea.
1: Maybe it's your suit. My suit? Maybe
2: It's just like your suit. Maybe it's your tie. I I don't like red ties. They're ostentatious. You're wearing a red tie. Oh, well, then...
1: Never mind. Come on, think. You're really putting me on the spot here. uh, Oh, I know, I... See, it's the cut of your jib. My what? The cut of your jib, I don't like it. What's a jib? It's a... Um... <laughs> you don't even know what it means. Uh, it, uh, it has to do with uh, the, the, the cut of sails on ship. It's a ship. It's a cut of your jib. It's a nautical term.
2: Are you a sailor?
1: Um, no.
2: <laughs> then shut up.
1: <laughs> what do you do?
2: I'm a lawyer.
1: Where'd you go to school?
2: Oh, I went to Brown. Oh. What?
1: Couldn't get into Harvard, huh? Shut up. Sensitive. Yeah, well, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh,
2: yeah, well, where did you... Harvard. You You bastard. God, I hate you. I I hate everything about you. I, I hate your lapel pin. I hate your briefcase. You have the
1: exact same briefcase.
2: They say it's a thin line between love and hate, but I don't think it's that thin. No, sir, I think, I think it's thick. Thick, thick, thick. And it brooks no crossing. Whatever you say. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe it would be better to nod and smile and be polite and only secretly hate your guts. You want to try it? I think the cat's out of the bag on that one, pal. Come on, let's try. That was some media shower the other night.
1: Yeah, it was something. You
2: see, that is better, isn't it?
1: Let me ask you a question. Okay. What were you thinking about just then? Uh, I was...
2: Thinking about the media shower. That was on Wednesday, and it's Friday today. And I was thinking, wow, that was incredible. Maybe the most incredible thing I ever saw in my life. Awful and awe inspiring all at once. Without question, this was the seminal moment of my life. <laughs> and it's a memory now. It's only Friday, and the memory of that incredible event is already fading. Diminishing. And we go on. Why? What were you thinking?
1: I was thinking how much I'd like to push you in front of the next train. Really? No. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I was just thinking how much I'd like to do it. That's better? Well, for you it's better.
2: Imp of the perverse. What did you just call me? I didn't. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe talked about the imp of the perverse. What's that? Like the feeling you have as you're crossing a bridge? How you might like to jump?
1: You ever get that? Oh, yeah. Huh. Me too.
2: Somebody cuts me off in traffic. Somebody gives me the finger.
1: Somebody spits in my face. Somebody tries to stick me with a shank in the yard. What? What?
2: Anyway, I, I just want to punch them in the face until they turn blue. I'm not that I would. Of course, I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> hmm.
2: What's that? Wouldn't it be funny? You were one of the last two people in the world. Only you didn't know it. And you meet like the only other person left in the world, but he didn't know it either. And you had a lot in common and stuff. But the thing was that from the first moment you laid eyes on each other, you hated each other's guts. I mean, like, all you wanted to do was just kill the other guy. If you succeed, you see, if you succeeded in killing this guy, you had inadvertently destroyed your last link to your own humanity. A humanity, by the way, that was pretty shaky to begin with. And so you'd be doomed. ...doomed to wander the wilderness for the rest of your life... ...haunted and alone. Wouldn't that be funny?
1: Maybe we shouldn't talk anymore. No. (sighs) Where is that train? It's very late.
2: I don't think it's
1: coming. It will come.
2: How long have you been
1: waiting? Since, um, Wednesday. Oh, I wish it would come now. Be a man. Read your paper. What's your name? Peter.
2: Peter. I'm David. How do you do? I'm scared, Peter. I'm really scared. it! I...
1: What? You can't say that. Well... You just can't walk up to another man, a complete stranger, and tell him that you're scared. What's the matter with you?
2: But you can walk up to another man, a complete stranger, and tell him you hate him?
1: That's right.
2: I'm sorry. I, I know there
1: are rules. Well, but... you had an inferior education.
2: Well, I don't know what to do.
1: I told you, be a man.
2: Well, how do you do that exactly?
1: Get up in the morning. Put on your suit. Put on your pants. One leg at a time. Eat your half-a-section grapefruit with a serrated spoon. Read the front page. Put your dishes in the sink. Put your paper under your arm. Pick up your briefcase and go to the station. You go through the turnstile. You go down the stairs. You wait for your train. And you go to work. But what if the train doesn't come? You wait for the train to come. And what if it doesn't come? Well, then you go home. And you'll take off your jacket, and you'll loosen your tie, eat dinner, listen to music. And you eat dinner, and and you take a shower, and, and brush your teeth, and you go to bed. And then what? And then you get up and do it again. Will you hold my hand? What? Hold... My hand. I'm not holding your hand.
2: Just till the train comes. No, sir. There's nobody here. I don't care. I, I know that we don't do this as a rule. Us. Men. But we still hate each other, right? Right. It's not like anyone can see us. Just hold my hand. Just till the train comes.
1: Just until the train comes? Absolutely. Well... Okay. Okay. There. Happy? Thank you. It was some meteor shower, wasn't it?
2: Yes. Yes, it was. What are you thinking?
1: I'm scared, David. I'm really scared.
2: Me, too. Me, too.
1: Just until the train comes, right? Yes, sir. Just
2: until the train comes.
1: turnstiles by Carol Dane star Tom Beckett and Sam A. Mowry. The production was directed by Cynthia J. McGeehan with sound design by Mark Rose and was produced by Sam A. Mowry. The Regional Arts and Culture Council provides support to the Writers on the Air workshop.
0: That was Through the Turnstiles by the Willamette Radio Workshop. As I mentioned before, it won a Silver Ogle Award for Best Fantasy Drama up there against some really incredible competition, including God of the Razor. Uh, anyways, I got to speak with Sam Mary on the phone about the workshop, his radio work, and the radio drama art in general. All right. So we've got uh, Sam Mowry on the line. He's the director at the Willamette Radio Workshop, as well as the voice of a lot of characters you hear, as well as uh, characters um, that have been done by people outside of the Willamette Radio Workshop. Uh, Sam Mowry, uh, how do you do? Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Fred. I do pretty well, and I'm uh, very happy to be here on the radio drama revival, uh, here to testify.
0: <laughs> testify, sure enough. Well, why don't we you brief us a little bit on your history, either with Willamette or uh, with uh, audio in general?
1: Well, um, for audio in general, uh, like a lot of people, I uh, kind of got hooked on reruns of OTR. I was living in New York, and in the afternoon they would have The, uh, the Shadow, The Third Man, and uh, oh, what was it, uh, The Green Hornet, uh, that they would run back to back to back. And I was just totally sucked in and, and loved it, but didn't really think much more of it. I was a visual artist at the time and then when i first moved out to portland i uh i volunteered at uh, our local community radio station which had only been in existence for about 5 years it was it's called kboo k b o oh, o 90.7 on the fm dial and um and i had what i used to refer to as drive time which was um uh sunday morning at 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, to wow. 6 a.m. and my claim to fame there was uh uh, when I was working my way through the jazz stacks, I realized that every jazz artist I came across had recorded Misty. And so for two and a half hours, I played nothing but Misty by various artists. <laughs> and fun. and after about an hour of this, I get a phone call, which I never got at the drive time. And uh, somebody was like, dude, dude, have, have you been playing Misty for like the past hour? And I'm like, uh yes I have. Did you like it? And He's kind of like, oh man, thank God because I thought I was having some sort of acid flashback and I couldn't hear any <laughs> other song but Misty. So um, <clears throat> so I've I've so I loved radio, um, but uh, it wasn't until I became an actor and really um, fifteen years after, I mean I just did stage work and then I started getting into doing uh, voiceover work which is how I support myself, Um, and a a gentleman uh, put an an advertisement in the paper that said, come down to the uh, Central Library if you have an interest in radio theater, and I was like, wow, that, that just sounds so like something I'd like to do, and so I went down there, and a very nice gentleman who laid out a whole plan for what he was all about, which was about People sitting at home talking into the computers and sending him files and he'd cut it all together. And it didn't seem really interesting to me. But as I was sitting there, I looked around and there were like seven people who I knew from theater who, unbeknownst to me, we had all shown up here. And so after this meeting where we all said, wow, that's not really what we were interested in, but I'm really interested in radio theater. And so we, um, we started talking about how we could get involved ourselves. Outside of this other guy's project, and um, and we talked for a long, long, long time, and then we did what probably every radio theater group does. We decided to do War of the Worlds, and uh, and and oddly enough, we did it live, and we uh, we just had one microphone hanging from the ceiling of the theater, recording it, but we just did. Uh, it was the uh, the 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 interesting thing about it was uh, two thousand one. And we did it Halloween night at midnight, and the place was packed. We had 50 reservations, and we had uh, like 150 people show up to this 99-seat theater. And I think part of it was because of the what had just happened in uh, New York and, uh, and Pennsylvania and, and, and Washington, D.C., um, people were were kind of drawn to this tale that had panicked a nation so far before and it was uh, the the most amazing thing was the audience we had people who were 80 years old and we had people who were bringing their 5-year-old children who they said we want i wanted my daughter to know that this existed and how powerful it was and you know that just blew me away and from that moment on, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is what we need to be doing. And um, so we, uh, we uh, got a, uh, hooked up with a friend of ours who had a slot at Kebu at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we did live radio theater at 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays. Uh, <laughs> people would have to take off work to show up and come there. And, uh, you know, it's a community radio station. And so its facilities were, were pretty rustic. Um, the first few times through, and and you know this is live radio theater. Anything went wrong, it was wrong. Uh, there's nothing you could do about it. There were a couple of window breaks that happened that that still haunt our uh, our sound man at the time, Rob Kowal. He is uh, <laughs> still kind of like, oh. Um, but we did uh, the Shadow, the uh, Silent Avenger, which is a story about uh, amazingly enough, it's before World War Two. But it was about some uh, uh, a soldier who came back after the war, and he was a long-range sniper. And his brother was convicted of, of murder and was going to go to the chair. And his brother told him that one brother was suffering from uh, being shell shocked, and the other, the criminal brother, convinced him that he had to kill off the jury and the judge and the governor, and was, you know, his deadly art from long range. Um, it's an amazing program if you ever get a chance to hear it and it it, there's a a speech at the end it was an Orson Wells shadow that he did about war and what we do with our veterans when they come back and how little support we give them that was just so incredibly powerful today speaking from so long ago and one of the things that we love to do is um, and we're kind of you know, I don't think we're alone, but, um, uh, we love for our shows to, to mean something, to have something more behind it other than just entertainment. We like to be entertaining for sure. But, uh, it's why we did the fall of the city, which is still all of our favorite productions. And, uh, and that was, uh, the sound design by Mark Rose is just amazing in that, um, but that that speaks to the 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 problem of of letting uh, of of giving away your uh, f- your freedoms for your security, which this was from 1938 and was incredibly powerful then, and we're doing it here in 2005, and it's just as powerful today. Um, yes, and at the end of the thing, there's a, gi- a giant. The, the conqueror comes and it's this giant armored conqueror who comes and opens up his visor at the end and it's empty and there's no one there but the people are just uh cheering madly because they've they've been saved from nothing um and it's just an amazing point and archibald macleish who wrote it was an amazing uh dramatist and poet and i love the poetry of it as well uh, I still think when you're when you're talking audio theater, you're talking uh, about uh, the, the written word, and uh, and that's why we're kind of always drawn to poets and um and orators and uh, and and subjects that lend themselves to being spoken about.
0: Sure, and and over the uh, years that you've been doing this, I see that you have uh, you know a great combination of original work as well as these sort of classic tales and. What really guides your direction in you guys choosing what story you want to uh produce next
1: um that's kind of the interesting thing it's 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 generally what um captures our imagination uh we don't have a we don't have a niche we don't have a genre we don't do just original things we don't do just um uh, established things we uh we don't just do horror we don't just do science fiction <laughs> we don't do comedy. We'll we'll do whatever comes along that we like at the time. So it makes us a little erratic in terms of of output. People are always like, "Well, you should have a podcast." I'm like, "We don't do enough regular work to have a podcast." <laughs> I don't know if you can call it a podcast if you do it twice a year. <laughs> sure. But um, we started uh, I, uh, probably the uh, the thing that I'm most proud of is the Willamette Radio Workshop started doing more original work. We had a, a Halloween show and we decided that we would open it up and we had a bunch of people who were interested in writing with us and we said, uh, well, let's do short horror stories. And we ended up with, uh, 18 and they were all so good. We had uh, three different nights of performance and we did, uh, I think we did 15 of the 18 or 20 shows. And every night we did a different combination. We had 25 actors uh, and they were all called in on different nights and we're all doing this all live with live Foley and live sound effects. And, um, and we just had a blast of course, you know, it was amazing. Uh, the energy from the people and the, and you know, there's nothing more exciting and energetic than a terrified actor. And, uh, so it was a, it was a great, great thing. And we, uh entered uh, three of them into um, the uh, the Ogle Awards, and we got an honorable mention, and we just were so excited about that. And, um, and what we started doing was out of that came the Writers on the Air workshop, which my wife, Cynthia McGeehan, is the director of. She's a writer and a teacher, and she'd written some of the things for us in the past, and she's also acted with us. And she also comes out of a background of theater and theatrical writing. She's a published playwright. And um, and we found out that people were very nervous about writing for radio because they didn't really know that much about it. And Cindy didn't know that much about it at first. And so I talked to her about what I knew, um, pointed her in the direction of some other people, uh, Yuri Raskoff and Tony Palmero's uh websites of course are gold mines for learning about writing and and uh how to dramatize for audio and anybody out there if if you haven't looked up those sites yet and read them yet do so immediately because uh the weaknesses in your productions can probably be remedied by following their more than sage advice um yeah they're just great and so we uh, we decided that okay well let's next let's let's see if people want to do it again next year and instead of doing horror, we did you know let's see what people come up with and uh and Cindy has always said that it's become much more about exploring writing through the uh the medium of of audio but it's it it uh it's it's not just about audio anymore, but the beauty of that is is we have people that they're not worried about how to, how to tell a story through audio. They're just telling good stories. And to me, that's the, that's the bedrock of, of, you know, when people say, do you like this? Or what do you like? Or what that's, or why do we do what we do? I just do the scripts that, that speak to me that they're the best scripts that we had. And they, they speak to me on some level. They're either fun or, uh, exciting or touching or have a message. And, and that's, that's what it boils down to for me. It's always about the writing, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show, whether it's an audio show. It, it's, it's about the story you're trying to tell. You're either telling a great story or you're telling a story really well. Um, but it's, it's all about communicating ideas and feelings and uh, sharing uh, emotions with other
0: people. Yeah, agree hundred percent, and that's really uh you know echoed it's uh what's the me- what's the medium's good if you're not <laughs> using it to tell anything or, or to speak any sort of truth for sure mm-hmm. you have uh, been doing this for quite some time um but also along the way, um you've picked up um, some other talent or some uh been involved with other people uh Mark Rose Drysoke, and Whispers is one of them, and then um Oline Productions with after Hell is another uh how did uh, that all converge? Are they people from Willamette or do we meet them other otherwise?
1: This is this is another one of those really amazing uh, things. Uh, we met uh, uh, Mark and uh, Gerald McQuinn first mm-hmm. from uh, Dry Smoke and Whispers. Uh, Gerald does the writing and Mark does the uh, uh, production and acting. And we actually ran into them at that meeting.
0: Oh, okay, great.
1: And, and at one point, the guy who was running the meeting was kind of like, well, what, what are you talking about? When I said I didn't think that it was really what I was expecting... And I talked about what I wanted, what I what I was thinking re- audio drama or radio drama would be. And uh, so afterwards, uh, Mark and Rob came up and were kind of like, Hi, uh, we, we, we've we just moved here a while ago from Florida. And uh, I really like what you were saying. And we did this radio show and he gave us this information. And we didn't get together right away. But um, uh, several months passed and we finally did... Uh, click in together and uh, they came over to my studio and we auditioned a bunch of people together and uh, uh, we ended up doing the the Shadow Man series. Um, And, oh yeah, and I was just completely blown away when we finally heard their work because they're they're, uh, both such talented people. uh, And and they both, we're really lucky here in Portland because these people make their living doing related things. Mark is an incredible sound designer and uh, engineer, and I work with him professionally doing voiceover work all the time. And uh, Rob is a is a brilliant artist and a wonderful writer, and um, yeah. And so we just we just kind of clicked, and we got along really well together. And we've he works on our projects, and we work on their projects, and we're developing projects together. We actually were together last night. Um, I, I can't. I can't let you know what our plans are right now but um it's yes, so uh, we have a secret project coming up but you know it's just nice we get together and uh kick around ideas and we did that late into the night um uh, on the on the back of some some absinthe and um you know life is beautiful in the world of dry smoke and whispers and the lament radio workshop and then um we ran we um uh we we belong to several bulletin boards and groups about audio drama, and we heard somebody we saw somebody posting about doing a, an audio drama uh and they were in portland oregon and Mark and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, Excuse me, uh if anybody's doing radio drama in Portland, shouldn't we know about them and uh so we uh uh there was an email attach- address attached to it, and we shot them an email and said, Hey." You know, we're doing this too. We should talk. And we got together. And once again, they were incredible. We met Jamie Lawson and Joe Medina, who are the creators of After Hell and run Olean Productions. And they are not only very talented and wonderful audio theater producers, but just swell people as well. Um, And I think that's one of the things that we've been really lucky with is out here. Everybody we work with, we, we really love a great deal. And they're they're fun people to hang with, and you can, uh, you know, Jamie and Joe come out at our live shows and sell the CDs. They sit at the swag table and sell the CDs for us and for After Hell and for Dry and Whispers, and you know, and they set up these big displays, and um, you know, it's the kind of thing where we're all willing to pitch in, however however we can, uh. Yeah, and I mean, I I act on things. I help edit other things. I uh, you know I do the announcements for uh, for After Hell and uh, the the promos, which are always great fun to do because you get to be Don LaFontaine in a world where up is down. Yeah, so we have a great and we have a great deal of fun doing it, and we also try to challenge each other and and, and push each other further. Which I think is really important because it's it's very easy, and I'm sure you know, with your own little group, it's very easy to get very incestuous and very cliquish and kind of tied in and uh, and and just keep doing the same thing. Um, and uh, you know, at the at the WRW, it's not so much an issue because our shows are always all, all over the place in terms of what they are. Um, but but. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, Dry Smoke and Whispers is, it really kind of transcends science fiction genre, uh, but it's, but it's a science fiction series and, uh, After Hell is, uh, a horror series. Um, but you know, every, they they and us are always looking for, uh, a way to keep everything that we do fresh and make it better. And, that's one of the things that we're we're all really concerned with is we want it to be better than the last thing we, de- we did. And just as a, as a bottom rule, it's not just kind of like, oh, well, we pumped one more out. It's always like, how did we make this one better? Was it better acting? Was it better writing? Was it better sound? And uh, Joe Medina is uh, writing our upcoming show, our next live show, which is going to be at the UFO Festival in McMinnville, Oregon, for any of you out there who are in the neighborhood. Um, it's, uh, May 19th, uh, which is Saturday and we do a live show there and, uh, we're going to be doing the thing from the, uh, Howard Hawks and John Carpenter movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, yes. So I did, Will and and Joe's, I just got the first 10 pages and they look great and, uh, it's going to be great fun and, uh, Mark Rose helps with the, the music and sound effects and, uh, 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 Gerald has done posters for us and we have Marty Gallagher, who's our resident, uh, sound designer and David Ian, who is our, our Foley master. And, you know, we run across all these different people who we didn't all start out together, but we're now all working together. And we have, uh, so many things, uh, you know, Marty has built sound effect, sound effect, uh, Foley props. That David has used in stage productions here in Portland, um, and David has won you know uh, sound design awards for his work as a as a foley artist doing live foley, and uh, yeah, we're just very very lucky uh, out here. Uh, uh, Jack Ward is always joking about how if if he had an opportunity to move anywhere, it'd be out to Portland, Oregon. <laughs>
0: Well, here from Portland, Maine—a bit of the different coast, a different air—but um, sounds like a very cool vibe you've got going. Um, now, going back to that uh, first meeting where you said uh, you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. didn't didn't quite want to have the you know bunch of people recorded, bunch of stuff spliced together. I imagine one of the things you were thinking about is you know you're you're talking about your live theater, the ability for actors to actually work in tandem. And to uh, mm-hmm. you know be in the same scene. So tell us about some of your actual productions. Your your uh, experience of uh, I imagine some of it's in the studio, some of it's in live environments. And
1: yeah, that's that's another thing we do. Yeah, we do studio shows and we do live shows. And one of the things that we're uh, trying to work on is to do studio shows and then do them live. Um, which would be uh, you know a way to develop more complicated uh uh productions by um honing them in the controlled studio environment and really being able to to work out the timing of your sound beds and your your musical scoring and then when you do it live to be able to um add that extra energy you get but it's but it's also it's 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 not only a way to um uh you know, share the experience more when you do it live, which is what I really love. That's what I love about doing live theater is getting to work with people in a very hands-on way, but it also is a way of keeping you honest in terms of as a, as a dramatist in any form is as an audio dramatist, you know, we put it out there and we don't get to sit with people while they listen to it. We don't know if they laughed here or, if they were frightened here or, or whether they were rolling their eyes at this or whether they got up and walked away. Um, and so by, by, by constantly having the live shows, we constantly get to see what works. And it's not just, well, I don't best and this is what's going to work. It's, you know, we, we saw what happened at the show and we're always surprised. Something will happen completely different in a live show than it did during rehearsals or during a recording. And one of the things like when we did Fall the city," we actually recorded that in front of an audience. It wasn't a very big audience, but we thought it was really important that we have people there that we were talking to. Um, yeah, and then what we and you know i I wish we had filmed. I wish we had had had, had the forced thought to do that because Marty Gallagher did the uh the crowd stuff, and we had all these different platforms and steps. Set up, and all the actors. We spent like an hour and a half just working the milling crowd, and the crowd shifting from one side to another, or you know, uh, people milling around and then stopping. Um, just a kind of of. Uh, I mean, it just turned out beautifully when you listen to the piece. Um, but it was uh, it was a, an amazing experience to really put in that kind of effort on one of these shows. And it's always what I'm trying to push myself towards is I want to spend, I want to be so involved as to how uh, uh, the crowd moves and what they think about uh, that I'm willing to put in that kind of time and effort. Um, You know, and you don't always have that time. As I'm sure, and many people from the workshop listening to this are, oh yeah, Sam, just all the time in the world i suck so, I sometimes can be a little guy, okay, that's good enough. uh, just do it the way I told you, and let's move on um but but I try to minimize those
0: sure well, that sounds like you you know you're really pushing things and uh you know one one thing um that I'm curious about is as far as you know you're doing voice acting work um for a living, how does that affect uh your theater work
1: um well, it's it. it uh, I haven't been doing a whole lot of theater lately, and part of that is just a, a construct of age. Um, but um, it's to me, they've always been completely different, and it's been kind of interesting to mix them together because I did theater for fifteen years before I started doing audio drama. Um, but um, you know, it's 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 like when people talk about. Acting on camera as opposed to acting on stage. Uh, it's very much like acting on mic is different than acting on stage. But again, it goes back to the writing thing. It's, it's all just acting. And it's, it's how you connect. And uh, audio acting to me is the most exciting type of acting in the world because you get to put together the entire world. You're the costumer. You're the lighting designer. You're the cinematographer. You decide whether you're having a close-up and you're just right up on the microphone and whispering or you're leaning back and you're, you know, calling out to the heavens. You have the the opportunity to shape your performance in a way that you rarely do on stage and you never do on film. Um, You know, it's... Uh, was, uh, uh, William Redford, um, Redfield wrote this uh, uh, wonderful book uh, about being on tour with Richard Burton doing Hamlet. And uh, he talks about how he would rather watch a movie and perform in a play. Um, because a play, uh, you know, a movie, if you've ever done one, if you ever do do one, it's waiting around. It's just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, I had a friend who was a, a principal dancer uh, in uh, L.A. Confidential. And she said they spent this morning had like a 5 o'clock call and 6 o'clock they were on the set. And they were working out this big dance number. And they worked for five hours on it. And then after they had done all this, Kim Basinger walks onto the set walks up to the director who's standing in the middle with all these dancers standing around them, and she just starts talking to him. And they stand there together discussing what's going to happen for the next hour and a half. All those people are just standing there, waiting after this rehearsing. And at first I was like, oh man, what a, what a crappy thing for Kim Bassinger to do. But then I realized more, as you understand more about film, that's what the stars have to do to protect themselves. Because it's such a machine around them that the second you're in front of the camera is the only power you have. And so you have to, you have to really isolate yourself into what's happening there. Um, you know, and Kim Basinger is a fabulous actress and it was a wonderful movie. But once again, what my friend remembers the most <laughs> is dancing for five hours straight and then just standing for an hour and a half. And then having to, you know, for the next hour and a half after that, they just did take after take after take with them going through this huge dance scene. And if you watch the movie, it's 45 seconds on screen. But in radio, it uh, it can bring so much more to it. And it's it's really hard when actors think that they look at uh, radio acting as just, oh, I'm just reading off the page. And you you have to bring so much more to it than that. And there are some people who just instinctively can read, do a cold read better than most people can rehearse for a week and come in and do. And you're blessed if you find those people, and we have a lot of them. Um, but uh, even within that, you have to really uh, find ways to bring things off the page. And the biggest thing I always tell people is, you don't know everything you're about to say. You know, that, uh, that period is the last thing you thought of. And then the next thing you say is something new that just jumped into your brain. And it's, it's really tricky to get people to do that, but you have to, you know, kind of get inside their head and let them understand that they have to just, uh, um, you know, they have to live this. And, and and even though they're just reading it, that doesn't mean that they don't have to be as fully committed to it as a full production with six weeks of rehearsal and a giant audience out there.
0: Right, exactly. And uh, I, I I imagine you have a bit of luck. Um, the people you've found uh, really sounds like you commit well to that. Um, now, one other question. Is you also... Um, tend to be, you know, I know you're very aware of all the other uh, dramatists out there scattered across the country that are doing this. What do you think about the uh, state of where audio theater is at um, and where it's going?
1: Well, you know, that's always an interesting question. Um, And I think there's a lot of really wonderful companies out there and really talented producers. And I think there are some amazing, you know, young people out there who are just trying, just discovering this and, and really you know taking a taking a shot at it um and i think that's great and the the digital revolution and the home computers that have n- enabled all of us to uh be able to create uh little studios in our own homes and allow us to do this thank goodness for you know imax and Behringer, um <laughs> for making some quality stuff that allow us to get really great uh, opportunities, uh, from, but it still boils down to people needing to learn their craft. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky, uh, lucky, worked hard to spend 30 years in theater. Um, so what I know about directing and acting that I can translate to audio theater really helps. There are a lot of people who just come in and they haven't done anything and you need to find ways to, to better yourself. I think there are a lot of groups out there, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get into any flame wars, where it's it's just a question of people, you know, putting out the same thing week after week, month after month, year after year. You know, we just get together and we do the same thing. And if you're having a good time doing that, that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that, and I don't begrudge you that. And, you, you know, and you don't have to try to be doing more than that if you don't want to. But for me, and I think a lot of other people... We have to constantly keep asking ourselves, how can we be better? Are the stories we're doing the strongest stories? Do they need a rewrite? You know, that's the thing that I, you know, that I'm really happy about what we do is people rewrite their stories two or three times before we record them. And I talk to other people, it's kind of like, I write the story, we get together, we record it, and that's it. And, you know, and then I work on it in post-production, which is fine, but... You know the 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 important thing to do is to make a good pair of shoes first. You know uh, it has to be solid. It has to be it has to be together. And you can fix things later, but uh, some things you can't fix. And I you know it kills me every time I'm I'm editing a show. I'm just ready to pluck out my ears by the end of the show because I know every line and mistake. And oh oh they missed that word or they. Uh you know, oh, I wish I had had them do that again, I wish I had had them do that differently. Oh, now it seems to me that what they're saying here is you know they're uh, as we say it 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 uh it doesn't have to be good but it does have to be done um you know, um, uh, and so they're just a time where you have to uh let go, but it's always important to keep trying and striving to be better, and I think sometimes people spend a little too much time. Being locked into their genres, if I had to you know make some some comment, but on the other hand there it just keeps getting more and better. It was a very interesting article you had about uh what's happening happening in Germany. Um, I thought the points you were making about better ways to optimize your website to get more traffic is thank you very much it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful piece it's a wonderful thing because that's what we have to do. Uh, You know, 90% of TV sucks, 90% of movies suck, 90% of novels suck, 90% of art sucks. You know, so probably 90% of audio theater sucks. And I'm sure I have my own 90% of that on top of that. But, you know, what we're, if it's not all perfect doesn't mean that we give it up or we go away or we don't try harder. And there are a lot of people out there such as yourself and Jack Ward and Sharon and, Shannon, sorry, uh, who are and Danny uh, Cutler, uh, who are, you know, really trying to create a community and to forward uh, uh, connections with people and uh, forward our ability to uh, create better audio drama. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's good that we're talking about it and it's good that we are, uh, you know, connecting with each other. And that's a wonderful thing about this show is to get to hear other people talk about what they're doing and to just know that there's somebody else who understands and is fighting the same battle and struggling along with you, even though you're alone in front of your computer in the middle of the night saying, is that really the right hoofbeat there? Or, you know, maybe I should go in there and and record the dropping of that plate again, because I don't think it really got the the break I wanted. And I say this having just vacuumed up the broken plates that Joe Medina came over and helped me break for the sound <laughs> effects for uh, uh, the mission control that we just finished and sent into the Mark Time okay. Awards. So yeah, you know, it's a, it, we, uh, radio, audio theater is dying. Radio theater, uh, you know, if we want to start the whole battle over what we're going to call it, but you know, the theater has been dying forever. Uh, everything is, is in a constant state of flux and growth and, Groups will go away and groups will come back and people will band together and there will be more things. And I'm just so excited to get to talk to people like you, work with people like Mark and Jamie and Joe and Gerald and uh, Marty and uh, Jack and all these people who are trying to do the best work possible. And I'm just happy to do it and to be a part of it in any way that I can.
0: Awesome. Well that's that's great. And you know that you've got that piece you said coming up in May. You've got some secret projects um that you can't air <laughs> yeah. yet. Uh what what else um do you have up in the pipeline or do you even know yet?
1: Uh well, we're going to be uh Cindy and I are both going to be at the National Audio Audio Theater Festivals um uh, uh weekend workshop, week-long workshop. Okay, excellent. Uh, we're going to be down there this year. Um uh, and uh I'm going to be Directing one of the pieces, and Cindy's going to be doing a, a writer's uh, uh, workshop there. And then right after that, when we get back to Portland, uh, we'll be doing the Willamette uh, Writers on the Air workshop
0: okay. again. Wow, back to back. So, um. and so
1: as soon as that finishes, we'll have another dozen plays that um, will will get produced. And that's the nice thing I have to say about the the Writers on the Air is that how many people, because we we have an online component, and there are people all over the country who participate in the workshop and so many of them have written plays in the workshop that have gone on and are being produced by other organizations uh around the country which is very exciting
0: awesome and uh i want to put a quick word in edgewise as well for the national audio theater festivals um that you know when you're talking about craft that's an excellent opportunity to immerse yourself in the craft and uh you know propel yourself along as far as um you know the the level of standards um that that are acceptable and and learn from people who you know have been doing it as long as yourself and uh, you know even longer in some cases so it's it's pretty pretty cool opportunity um so put a word for that and uh, in general thanks a lot um Sam this was great to talk to you and to learn about um, a little bit more about the at radio workshop and the cool little community you've got there going in Portland um and uh, in general just to talk about uh radio drama
1: Thank you very much, Fred. Pleasure to be here. And everybody else, come on out. The radio's fine.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was Sam Mowry, producer of the Volomit Radio Workshop, www.radiowork.com. Magnificent stuff. And if you're in the Portland, Oregon area this summer, why not catch up for the Multi-Week Radio Writing Workshop? Looking towards the future, next week I have the extreme delight of welcoming ZBS to the show. Uh, yes, my friends, the magnificent work of Tom Lopez will be tickling your ears in a four-part series of Jack Flanders adventures, Do That In Real Life, a tickling tale set in New Orleans' is French Quarter, all the hoodoo, beignets, zombies, and chicory coffee you can handle, all an adventure that no tourist will ever see. And if you can't wait that long, recall you can always catch up on previous episodes, of the podcast and blog, com. You can also read more audio theater news, reviews, and discussion there. Uh, subscribe to the weekly show, of course, and make sure you turn into the new column, Malleus, all about the German audio drama scene with some uh, British and American stuff chucked in there. I've even penned some uh, new stuff on marketing your audio theater productions and that. Uh, series will be continuing on, so all kinds of new content now available at the blog radiodramarevival.com. And if you prefer, there's always iTunes search for Radio Drama Revival. Uh and that wraps set up for this week. Uh, till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Uh, thanks for tuning in and have a great week.